0: It's Tuesday, June 30th, and this is Crane's Daily Gist. I'm Amy Guth, and on this episode of the podcast, newly released video shows former CPD chief Eddie Johnson on the night that led to his firing. We'll talk more about that and hear some of the audio from police body cameras taken that night coming up today on the podcast. But first, this word from our sponsor. We're all navigating uncertain times. A big part of that includes concerns over financial security. At Chicago's bank, Wintrust is ready to help. Whether you're looking for refinance solutions to take advantage of low rates and reduce payments, or a personal or business account that offers 15 times the standard FDIC insurance, they've got you covered. We're in this together. We'll get through it together. Find a location to call at Wintrust.com slash find us. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Businesses looking for help in navigating the COVID-19 crisis should check out Small Business Lifeline, a new weekly podcast from Cranes. Every Thursday, the free Small Business Lifeline will offer expert advice and information on accessing needed resources during the crisis. Listen to Small Business Lifeline at chicagobusiness.com slash SBL. Aon has reversed a salary cut imposed on workers earlier this year. Joining me now is Crane senior reporter Steve Daniels to talk about the company's move. Okay, Steve, so you and I have talked a lot about Aon in previous episodes of Crane's Daily Gist. So what's the latest today?
1: Well, this has been sort of a saga that's run now for a couple of months. Um, Aon had surprised its workforce, particularly in the United States, with an announcement in late April that Due to the all the uncertainties regarding revenue uh, and the, the pandemic, and from a quote-unquote position of strength, Aon was taking a bunch of precautionary cost-cutting measures, which included a 20% salary cut for two-thirds of their workers, roughly speaking. The lowest 30% they said wouldn't need to do this because basically they didn't. It would that meant they wouldn't really be able to. Function, but the top, you know, 70% would have, all of them would have to take a 20% pay cut. And they gave their workforce um, all of four days notice of that taking effect at the time. So it, it took effect in May, May 1st. So ever since then, there's just been a series of stories about most of them coming from workers who provided me with documents and various things about Aon's communications with them and really sort of questioned the need for such a draconian approach. Well, today, finally, Aon reversed the salary cuts that everybody would get paid their normal salaries beginning July 1st, which is tomorrow. And Aon also promised to reimburse them or, or to basically make them whole for the salary cuts they had suffered over the last couple of months, plus another 5% they would add to that in terms of the, uh, reimbursement over the last couple of months. So, uh, I guess first workers all's well that ends well in some certain sense but it certainly has been a
0: torturous journey to get here do you have any indication of what caused the reversal
1: well they said um, uh, there was a uh, video communication that I obtained from Greg case the CEO to the employees basically said if you boil it down you know our our biggest fears that we had back in late April were not realized in terms of the you know, the potential harm to our business, to our revenues. And once we decided that, that that was the case, then we reversed the salary cut. And, and then he went on to praise the workers for their, their loyalty and dedication to the company and, you know, told them they would, they were providing this extra 5% on, on the make hole payment, as well as a uh, global day off on July 6th to celebrate, uh, I don't remember the exact wording, but the, to honor, I think it was to honor your re- resiliency was the wording. So, you know, that's what they said. I think it's fair to, to say that there, there were some other reasons and pressures that came to bear as well. I think the most important one was that none of Aon's principal competitors did the same thing. So one of them, Arthur J. Gallagher, based here in Chicago, laid some people off, but certainly didn't do anything on salaries. Aon's arch rival, Marshall McLennan, not only didn't lay anybody off or cut any salaries, uh, their CEO almost out and out made fun of Aon for being out there by itself on this island and doing this and basically said, we, we wouldn't do something like that, essentially. And he said the reason was, and they're a global firm as well, one of the reasons was that it unfairly hit the U.S. workforce because all of these companies have a lot of workers in Europe and in Europe, labor rules are such that a company can't just cut your salary, they have to get your stated permission to do so. So effectively, I don't know the actual numbers, but I'm, I think it's fair to the U.S. workforce certainly assumed that very few European workers were providing that stated permission, that effectively the U.S. workforce was, was bearing the brunt of this cost cut. So that was one of the reasons the Marsh CEO gave for why you don't do something like this. It roils your workforce. It results in finger pointing and why are we doing this and others aren't and all those sorts of issues.
0: When you heard from Aon workers, what was the nature of their criticism outside of just, hey, my my paycheck's been diminished? what were the other specific issues that they that they had complained with?
1: Well, they really questioned the need for it and, and the other the other part of this too was that Greg Case and his senior uh, leadership team had all agreed to take fifty percent salary cut. So, you know, on the face of it, that's the, what a good leader does right I, I, I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not doing in fact we're going to take uh, a greater hit than you are but the problem with that was that Aon was doing absolutely nothing in terms of shared sacrifice among its shareholders or very little anyway they they have eliminated their, their share buyback program but I think most companies or a lot of companies are doing that right now in the face of all of this they didn't touch the dividend and so With $400 million in dividend payments annually that Aon makes now, and an estimated savings from the salary cuts of something like $200 million, you know, a fair question would be, why are you imposing such a draconian salary cut when you're not touching your dividend? You could even, say, uh, reduce it by $100 million, the dividend meaning, and make our pay cut a 10% pay cut, which is a lot easier to deal with or to cope with a 20% pay cut, which even for people who are reasonably well paid, your budgets are are what they are. You typically have a lot of uh, bills that you are obliged to pay, uh, whether you get 20% less pay or not. And you can't just turn on a dime and and adjust all of that. It's very, very difficult. So that that was certainly part of the criticism. Uh, the other part was about the company communication. They weren't being clear about, okay, so this is a temporary pay cut. Well, when, when will it be lifted? And, and what would be how you would judge that? You know, what, what are the metrics you're looking at? And the company didn't provide that kind of detail. Um, nor, and they were sort of, they also were very fudgy about when the, 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 uh, salaries would be restored at the latest. So in, in one communication, they, they, they sort of tried to, imply that this was just a 2020 event and at the very latest the salaries would be restored at the end of the year but then in a, in a separate worker communication that I obtained they made clear that they the only promise they were making was that they would revisit the issue at the end of the year so it was a lot of communication people didn't feel like they were being told the truth um, that they were being leveled with and I think that was a lot of it
0: and then back in May, you reported about that 20% salary cut. And the headline on that was, when a 20% salary cut isn't a 20% salary cut. And that really spoke to what severance would be if someone quit over that. Explain that part.
1: Oh, yeah. Man, that, was, that was maybe the worst part of it all, was that under Aon's, Aon's own policy state that if your pay if your salary is cut 20% or more, you have 30 days to leave the company And if you do, under those conditions, you get severance. Now, they didn't tell anybody this overtly. They sort of hid it from them. But the policy was, if anybody asked, hey, can I get severance, was to tell them, and in fact, technically this was true, that the the pay cut was not a 20% pay cut. It was a 19.9% pay cut which means technically you don't you don't get severance. Now, Aon said at the time, hey, that's not the idea behind all of this. The idea behind all of this is to promise everyone that we will lay no one off because of the pandemic. No one's going to lose their job. Of the 50,000 people we employ all over the world, 5,000 in the Chicago area, no one's going to lose their job because of this. But this is what we have to do to make that promise. We have to cut salary. So fast forward two months to now, and they are reiterating the promise. They said no one's going to lose their job because of this. But having you know looked at two months worth of, of data and seeing what's transpired and, and looking at our revenue picture, we, we don't need the salary cuts to make this
0: happen. So what happens now? Is it kind of solved for the time being? We have to wait and see what's happening with COVID case numbers? Or, or is this kind of a shut case?
1: I think it's fair to say this is a shut case at this point. I, th- I think. I think this was a, a a self-inflicted wound that the company the company made a mistake uh and I think effectively today they were acknowledging that even if they weren't saying that explicitly uh with this reversal and the extra 5% and the promises of no layoffs you know they've really been hurt in the uh among, you know their reputation with their workers has been damaged and and it needs to be repaired so so I think this is effectively a a recognition of that. The question's gonna be, you know, how much of that damage is going to be long-standing? Will, will that be remembered down the line? Will, will workers who are, who Anne wants to keep, and we all have to remember they have a huge merger pending with Willis Towers Watson. It's going to close in the first half of next year, and there will be substantial job cuts, like most mergers, that will come after that. So there's already a lot of anxiety among workers about that. So for Aon, the risk is, the worry is that competitors will will poach their best people, will have their, their most important business relationships. And so making this move today, I think, was an effort in part to forestall that. There were clearly, I mean, I was hearing CEOs of rivals talking about conversations they were having that they never would have had otherwise. Had this pay cut not occurred, that, I mean, that's in this business. This is this is a relationship business. Your assets are your people and their relationships. And when the, when you lose those, uh, you're losing a lot. It's a very very profitable, very resilient business. It's a great business to be in at times like these. And when you when you make sort of management missteps like that that are self inflicted, then you've you got some work to do to repair those relationships.
0: Indeed. All right. Well, thanks so much for talking this over today. Appreciate your time. Coming up, the state's biggest Medicaid insurer snaps up a shuttered plan's members. We'll dig deeper into that story and others right after this. For a daily roundup of stories about how the coronavirus outbreak is impacting business and the economy, sign up for our free newsletter at chicagobusiness.com slash coronavirus update. All one word. The paywall has been dropped for all coronavirus stories at chicagobusiness.com, but we do encourage you to consider subscribing to support our journalism. And if you receive cranes in print at the office and are missing it while working from home, you can always access the electronic edition anytime at chicagobusiness.com dot com slash digital edition. Again, that's chicagobusiness.com slash coronavirus update for the free newsletter and chicagobusiness.com slash digital edition. So you don't miss a thing from the print edition while you're working from home. The city of Chicago has released documents, audio and video as an investigation wraps up a report into former police superintendent Eddie Johnson's behavior on the night that led to his dismissal, revealing what responding officers saw the night they found him asleep in his parked car not far from home in Bridgeport just after midnight in October of last year. And we know how the rest played out, what officers found, and Johnson's accounts of events leading up to falling asleep in his car. That led to his firing in December, just before he was all set to retire. However, body cam footage released by the city's law department yesterday shows a super brief interaction of law enforcement officers responding to what's described in released documents as a 911 call reporting a man slumped over the wheel, with the documents saying the call was made by a passerby. The two responding officers walk up to each side of Johnson's SUV, he appears in the car Alone, as they shine a flashlight onto his face as he's sleeping, and then they turn their flashlights off. Then you hear them asking if he's all right. You're
1: good? You're all right. You yeah, good? Got your ID?
0: After some time in the video of Johnson fumbling in the dark and then finally producing his identification,
1: you go, you're just sitting here. Or you want to go home? I'm good. You good? All right, sir.
0: Have a good night. And this was all released through the Freedom of Information Act, along with other documents during the inspector general's investigation into Johnson and other officers. Johnson initially had said that he felt lightheaded while driving and pulled over. He admitted that he'd had some drinks at dinner that night, but he blamed the episode on a change in medication. And then it came out later that Johnson was out having several drinks with a fellow CPD officer who was not his wife. In December, announcing her decision to fire the chief, Mayor Lightfoot said Johnson lied to her and the public several times to cover up, quote, the true nature of his conduct. Visit chicagobusiness.com to watch the video for yourself. Note that the first minute or so of it is muted, and then later in the video, you can hear and see this interaction. Facebook plans to build a massive data center in DeKalb that would be among the largest projects of its kind in the state. The data center, which will help power Facebook's network, will top 900,000 square feet and cost more than 800 million to build and outfit with computer equipment. It'll be Facebook's 12th U.S. data center and the type of project that Illinois legislators said the state had been missing out on last year when they passed tax incentives for the industry. Facebook's among other tech giants, including Apple, Microsoft, and Google, that have built billions. Billion dollar plus server farms in Iowa, which has inexpensive power and aggressive incentive programs. Facebook's facility will be in the Chicago West Center near the I 88 tollway, which has a major fiber optic link running alongside it. Because of size and geography, Chicago has long been one of the nation's telecommunications hubs. It's the nation's fourth largest data center market, but according to data from CBRE, it's one-fourth the size of the leading spot, Northern Virginia. While data centers of the size and scale that Facebook is planning can cost upwards of 200 to 300 million, the equipment inside them can cost three times as much, and that equipment gets upgraded or replaced about every four years. So Facebook estimates that the build-out will result in hundreds, of jobs, and data center operations, once it's built, will result in about 100 jobs. This facility is expected to open in 2022, and at more than 900,000 square feet, it'll be nearly as large as the 1.1 million square foot digital realty facility at 350 East Surmac, which is one of the world's largest data centers, though it has multiple customers. Facebook says a key part of its decision was the availability of renewable energy. The company has committed to offsetting the energy use of its data centers by adding energy from renewable sources to the power grid. The largest Medicaid managed care plan in Illinois is set to acquire Next Level Health's members. Centene's Meridian Health Plan and the Chicago based plan led by Dr. Cheryl Whitaker have entered into an agreement under which Meridian will get Next Level's more than 50,000 enrollees, all of whom live in Cook County. That, according to a statement today from Centene. As part of the agreement, a subset of Next Level's members will get help coordinating their care. These two companies are not exactly strangers. Centene provided the initial capital that Next Level needed to participate in the state's Medicaid managed care program and it has continued to provide operational support according to the statement and back in 2017 private insurers competed for state contracts in a fairly competitive bidding process and while initially rejected next level appealed and eventually won a four-year contract So with about 56,000 enrollees, or about 3% of the market, Next Level is one of two plans that serves members only in Cook County. Meridian has about 740,000 members in Illinois, or 34% of the market. Earlier this month, Next Level said it had planned to close, news that came about two months after California-based Molina Healthcare passed on a $50 million buyout. In any case, this transaction between Centene's Meridian Health Plan and Next Level is expected to close in July. Perhaps not super surprisingly, the local construction industry took another big step backwards in May as developers held off on new projects due to the coronavirus pandemic. The total value of construction projects started in the Chicago area plunged to just over one billion last month, which is down 42 percent compared with May of last year. That, according to research firm Dodge Data and Analytics. And that drop followed a 41 percent drop in construction starts in April. In March, Governor Pritzker designated construction an essential business under his stay home order to slow the spread of COVID-19. So many were able to continue construction on projects already underway, which kept thousands of workers in the construction trades on the job. But financing for new developments became extremely scarce as financial markets crashed and the economy fell into a recession and lenders and investors pulled back. And when financing is not there, most developers have only one option, and that is to delay construction and hope the financing comes back around. After the big drops in April and in May, local construction starts totaled well over $4 billion in the first five months of 2020, which is down 18% from the same period last year. Again, that's according to Dodge. Non-residential building fell 2%, to just over $2.5 billion, while residential construction decreased 35% to a bit over $1.5 billion. And though construction has dropped drastically in Chicago, some developers have launched big projects in the middle of the pandemic. Houston-based Heinz Interests began construction of Salesforce Tower, which is a 60-story office building at Wolf Point. They started that back in April. An Omni group of Vancouver recently got work underway on a nearly 400-unit apartment tower in the Fulton River District. Also, according to Dodge, who said that nationally, construction starts fell 12% through the end of May, compared with the same period last year. Until tomorrow, that's all for Crane's Daily Gist. Thank you to producer Jaima Black and to today's guest, Steve Daniels. Find the latest breaking business news, analysis, data, and lots more at chicagobusiness.com. And find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter and LinkedIn. And let's continue the conversation there about these and other business stories most on your mind. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here tomorrow.